You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst Mr. case Elder scenario for here City for right more. here. And it stopped! Yes! And it stopped! Totally Matt Elder! <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself! Oliver with the right foot. The shot is... Oh! Oliver! And Justin Oliver! will break the scoreless tie. And it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal! goal! It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. This is your home for beautiful bird-on-bird bird action. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City SC. Coming in hot in advance of this week's battle with the baby loons, I am your host, Nate, joined as always by the illustrious John Bizworm. And just like that, John, the season is here. It felt like it was never going to happen, but now I could probably use another week to prepare. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for the just the beautiful intro. I don't think I've ever been called illustrious before. It's a good one. Um, not even, not even industrious. I, I, you know, none of the, none of the isses. You deserve it. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. No, dude, I am with you. Um, you joined the management, the, the the club management meeting call today. There's a lot out there still that we have to get done. Um, anticipation is high. You can feel excitement from the club, the 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 leaders of the club, the doers of the club, yep. everyone. Like it's it's go time, man, and speaking of that let's just get after it today let's get right into it. we got a lot to cover today and sure. i i i'm i my allergies are bad so i'm sneezing a lot so i'm suppressing them until uh, a purposeful break to mute so let's get after it please <laughs> all right man uh well we've got three topics to cover off on tonight first the futures kicked it into gear this week so we will recap the action from sunday's upsl season opener and then we're going to preview friday's big minnesota super cup opener against the minnesota united u19 squad and finally we're going to wrap our player introductions so you can feel nice and familiar with your crows before that game Let's do this. We were focused, or we are focused, I should say, John, on Friday, but the Futures team has already seen some action. They opened their UPSL season on a cold Sunday night in Burnsville against Valora FC. I mean, if you're a local or a fan of local soccer, this is a budding rivalry on the scene and one that has good soccer, in my opinion. Like some of the rivalries... Sometimes when two teams that are highly regarded in a league clash, it's just that Nate. It's it's a clash, and yep, yep. there's there's just too much of the other things, and then you don't really get down to the fact that it's it's two organizations that are are doing their best to 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 raise a platform for Minnesota soccer, and and the soccer part gets gets left out of it. Um, I.e. Minnesota Twin Stars matchups, um, but. <laughs> These two squads, I applaud them. Yes, there is always a little bit of an extra bite when they get together, but the teams really do a good job of getting down to business and playing soccer. And it really is also a tale of two wildly different setups. The futures focus primarily on players 16 to 20, 
And Valora looks like a who's who of local soccer lore with the likes of Marco Keen and Pablo Campos and former Crow Mitch Wolf. Yeah. And I'm probably missing a whole slew of other Valora uh, roster members that have plied their trade with one, if not more than one local soccer club, um, either at the professional or pre-professional level. So two totally different setups. Um, yeah. I'll pause there. I mean, I'm sure you have something to say about that. Well, it's easy, I think, to discount Valora because they play in the UPSL, right? And the MASL. And, and the MASL, right? And that's kind of just like we're, you know, Minneapolis City is in the UPSL almost on a lark, you know, like, we need, we need a place for our young players to develop, and so we'll throw them down there. And I think that, like, if you discount Valora just based on the league that they're playing at, you're already behind. Because, like you said, they're, they've got excellent players. I mean, a, a, the coaching has to be great because the other thing is is that these, these are players that just, like, haven't worked out at other places before or are a little long in the tooth, and somehow they're coming together and, and competing at this level. So that's great. So always got to respect Flora, and you know every game that Minneapolis City plays against Flora is going to be tightly contested. They're the only two teams that have won the conference, the the regular season or the tournament in yeah. the history of the Midwest West Division. So organically, this is the this is the marquee matchup, and uh, and it stinks that it has to be on a on a cold ass day in the middle of Burnsville. And not on a nice warm day, maybe at Edward Nelson. Uh, but it is what it is, Nate. But yeah. let's just say this. For me, the future season like up and bit me in the ass starting. And and we <laughs> totally whiffed on a preview of the squad. So to to all, all the squad members, we will give plenty of coverage to uh, throughout the summer. And the coaching staff are bad guys. Uh, <laughs> so here's a little bit of a brief one. Uh, a brief intro to the team coming off of the winter season for the futures. Um, the real narrative for me as a mentor coach in it was the class leaned on the younger side of the age group, more on juniors and seniors in high school with only a handful of local kind of college freshmen um, that were, that were, that were selected for the, the winter session. Historically in the past, it was more on seniors or college and uh, college freshmen. Uh, so there's a, was a little bit of a different narrative there. So to me, the question was, who from that group would be coming back from last year from a college perspective that's out of town that wasn't part of the winter the winter season? And then who would step up from that younger age group? Because no disrespect to that younger age group, I, I was kind of looking through what, you know, I'm, I'm watching it week in and week out going to training. And, and I, I had some, you know, some doubts um, beginning early on, like, are we going to be able to, com- to compete against grown ass men? In uh, without a full slew of people like Nick Kent and Parker Flynn and all and Johnny Bear, all, mm-hmm. Carlos Robles, all those guys that have played with us, Alvaro Arce, Tyler Bopre, all those guys that we knew were, were coming back. Are we going to be able to compete if like their buddies from the last year didn't come back? Or, um, you know, there, there was some doubt with me, but as the sessions grew on, I started watching these younger players play. I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like these guys can play ball. So it, it got me really excited for watching them this summer and ultimately covering them. So as the roster goes, it's still fluid like most Division Four teams across the country. I mean, there's guys shuttling in and out, uh, you know, in airports and bus stations all across the land. 
Um, so there's going to be a little bit of fluidity that, that's going to happen in the first week or two of the season, primarily for the futures, but also for the first team, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the roster makeup goes for this game, there are a few players that you've heard of before. I mentioned a few. Alvaro Arce was the captain on the day. Carlos Robles. The Hermanson twins are back. Tyler Beaupre, Jordan Ross, Johnny Bear, Nick Karam, and P- Parker Flynn. All guys that featured... <clears throat> with uh with the the team last summer and and contributed like real good minutes um so that's good to, good to hear they're the core they're, there's part of the brotherhood that that's there um to carry over into into the ne- the next uh, version of of the, the the futures experiment for 2023 new to the side part of that group and these are mostly all players that did come from that uh that that winter group mm-hmm. antonio uh, Elevar, uh, uh antonio Oliveris, Camel 2, Colin Brin, Amu, Griffin Price, Jeffrey Richter, Rigo Aureliano, and Tomas Mena, along with two brand-new goalkeepers, Bodine Gosted and Brandon Wright. So yeah. some of you might not know who the hell any of these guys are. This is part of the cream of the crop that was part that was coming from that, that, uh, that winter session. Uh, if you follow us on social, Camel 2 was really the starlet of, of, the, of the session and kind of that next in line of the – the Zach Susies, the the Luik Masanvis, the player that like you you can look at that it, it's only a matter of time if they stick around with us that they would probably be seen in the in the uh, in the first team setup. So um, we'll talk a little more about Camel here in a second. Um, but yeah. real quick, John, too, like one of the things to to note is that three of these guys, we're talking about Camel two, talk about Tomas Mena and Jeffrey Richter come from that Augsburg program. Um, mm-hmm. So they were, and they, I know Richter's from, I think he, he grew up in Portland, Portland, right? And he's just playing, playing, playing ball here in school. And these guys can score. Uh, Camel had seven goals on the season and Tomas with six assists and Tomas had three goals and four assists, which is, which is not bad. Even Jeffrey Richter from a defensive midfielder position had two goals and an assist. So these you know, there's some nice offense that this team was able to add through the through the futures program to this UPSL squad. It's uh, and and as we'll see, uh, it, it pays off. Yeah, and like I'll, I'll mention another player real quickly, Regal Aureliano from California, goes to Northwestern uh, in Minnesota. Um, a fantastic player, and no disrespect to Northwestern, but when I saw him play, I was like, that's a great get. How did you get him? Um, he ended up being the. <laughs> You know, like I said, no, no disrespect, but you don't see, you don't think of Northwestern um, College in Minnesota as a soccer powerhouse that would be getting a player of the, the pedigree of Rigo, who was ultimately voted by his peers as the best defender in the winter session for the futures. So there's a, the, uh, like all the worry I had was all squashed by what we just, what we just said. I mean, these guys can play and it doesn't matter who they're playing against They they can play. So enough about, those guys uh, and our lack of season preview, but we promise again to give you plenty of coverage now that we only have two teams to talk about. As far as the game goes, it was, a, <laughs> I was not there. Uh, so I, I, part of this is, uh, is second hand. Um, but I, I did watch the, the, the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Um, I was able to, to break away from uh, an adult birthday party where we went and played laser tag. So uh, I will report there were no in- <laughs> there were no injuries. Just a lot of sore backs the next day. 
Um, but I was able to, to catch the match. But from what I was told, it was like windy as hell in Burnsville, uh, the where the home uh, the home side Valora chose to take the gale force behind them in the first half. And man, did they try to use it? I went back and watched the, set, the first half um, on on tape delay, and balls were lumped forward time and time over. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it really didn't allow the 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 rookery, the the crows, to to get into a flow of soccer like it was a lot of like here's another long ball we chase it down we try to make a few passes mm-hmm. our final ball doesn't work they get it back here comes another long ball so Laura was looking to play the strengths of the elements out there which any any team would do um it's not an indicator of how they play soccer but i'll get into that in the second half here but it took until the 32nd minute which almost the entire first half City really to find that kind of magical moment where they could keep the ball. And it, it all came from Tomas Mena, who you mentioned, uh, and, and Augsburg Augie, um, identifying an opportunity to really jump on a lazy pass from uh, a Valora defender. And then he turned the Jets on and took it to the end line and slotted an inch perfect pass right around the six yard box in between the back line and the goalkeeper. Um, and, uh, and, and Nick Karam who knows how to score goals from his high school days and, and from being with uh, city uh, futures program last year in the summer, just like just a calm, cool finish in the back of the net. So now you're looking at Laura, the home side down a goal. It's almost halftime. And the, and the element shift is going to be happening. Like there's, that is a reality. So, yeah you can't be any further behind behind the eight ball. So I'll pause there. I don't know. Did, did you get a chance to, to watch any of the action? I didn't get a chance to check out the film, um, but I did follow, you know, I did follow the updates on Instagram. It's nice that the futures uh, social handle is on top of, of getting us game news, which is, it's kind of refreshing mm-hmm. this year. Also Twitter was helpful too, but yeah, no, John, I was up in, uh, I was up North. So, it was yeah, cabin time, that, so I missed the living, game. Living that cabin life, man, yeah. it must be nice. Must it was be nice. cold. It was cold so, and rainy. <laughs> so the second half saw City really try to play their game, like and build off of not only the the summer the summer tactical elements and program elements that the coaching staff drilled in last summer from the guys that were here or there, but also the new the new group that has been learning the same elements uh, from the winter session into um, prep for this game. So they, they really were trying, but it was that it was kind of that the, the city curse, right? That final pass, like it, the, the sharpness of what we find with any Minneapolis city team in the beginning of a year is even though we have more time in theory to gel um, because our setup's a little different than others, um, it just wasn't there. So it was, it was a lot of, you know, decent buildup, then nothing of substance to come out of it. Then for some reason, the wind just stopped. And like, so the goalkeeper was like hitting, hitting his goal kicks and they were like dying at the 30 yard line, just like straight <laughs> in his face. And then Great. all of a sudden, like he took one and it went like 50 yards and we're like, Whoa, wait a second. What happened to the, what happened to uh, the wind that they got in the first half? So there was a brief respite for uh, the, the wind dying down. And at that point, Vlora looked to take hold of play and they got the ball. They put it on the deck. They played with their, they played at their strengths and got real dangerous. And it put City on the back foot um, for a good 10, 15 minute stretch. Where uh, if you compound the fact that when they had the ball, it was substance wasn't coming out of it, 
but then all of a sudden you have a team who's figured out that they can play instead of having to defend uh, any of the elements. It got real dangerous. And then sure. in the 74th minute, former Futures player, uh, Assem El Sayad beat two defenders and was able to finish off Bodie Gostet, who was coming off of his line and the game's level now. So now you have 15 minutes left and it's really like, is the wind going to pick back up? Tactically, what do I do? Um, and I think with, the, with those final 15 minutes remaining, the, the Crows poured on the pressure with, I think, on the back of some really well-selected offensive-minded substitutions by the, by the coaching staff. And then the flurry of attacks started to come. So, like, inch-perfect decision-making on when to put those players in, even though it was on the back of a goal getting scored on you. But the, the, giving them the last 15 minutes of hell was pretty much what I, I think – uh, was in the mind of, uh, of 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 Coach Jeremiah Johnson and the staff. Yeah. So that that 15 minutes of hell started coming, and it took two vintage performances by former Crow netminder Mitch Wolf, who stood on his head and and, and stopped two clear goals goal opportunities uh, for Minneapolis City, and then the game was 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 basically level from that that point on until the end. So it finished off. Crows won. Two former Crows won. And the UPSL Midwest West race is, is off, man. It's on its way. Yeah, I think this is this is the game, like you said, unfortunate that it was the opener, but it's nice to get it out of the way and go away with that draw, right? Because now we know that um, kind of we're on a level playing field going in. It takes the pressure off of a, a late season, mm-hmm. maybe a matchup that that would have that would have decided things you know head to head so i'm okay with i'm okay with lining up against valora first game of the season i'm okay with a one-one draw like we've said this is the Mm -hmm. team to beat this is the team to look to look at um to make sure that we can stay ahead of them and make the playoffs and we'll probably run into them in the playoffs too so might as well uh you know might as well get it out of the way early well in theory like now it's a race to see who drops any points from here on out between these two teams Mm-hmm. And, and that that's what people around the league think. Um, I, I'm sure other other teams are like, screw you guys for saying that. But uh, if historical data um, is any indicator, like I mentioned, these are the only two teams that have ever won a tournament or a regular season title in this conference. So you would think that it's that race to who drops points. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up for the Futures is the UPSL home opener taking place Sunday, May 7th. Admission is included in your membership. Otherwise, you can grab tickets at the gate. Uh, opponent for Sunday are going to be Granite City coming down from St. Cloud. Does uh, Darbaki still coach that team? Um, I don't think so. I think he's. I think he's. He's with uh, the Twin Star setup. But you know, honestly, uh, I've forgotten about the name Darbaki since we don't have to deal with the MPSL anymore. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll hope hope to see you all on Sunday for the UPSL home opener. So it is our favorite time of the year, Nate. It is game day, baby. Yeah. Uh, the new look crows have a tasty Minnesota Super Cup opener to kick off the 2023 campaign versus MLS next side, Minnesota United U19s. I will caveat that we were trying to get uh, the Minnesota Super Cup architect john martinson on the show tonight however his wife just had a baby so yeah. a lot a lot of things going on on uh in his world right now so we'll give him a pass 
So all of the previews that we were going to have for this match and talk to him about are no longer there. So we're going to give you our take on, on this matchup. So there are a lot of unknowns, Nate, like which players from the senior side that have been announced or are going to be announced by us in a, in a hot minute here are in town and ready to play, mm-hmm. which trialists have been selected to fill in the roster. Um, will there be a cameo from anyone from the futures program? Like, camel too um or any other names that that might be out there so a lot of unknowns there there's also the unknown as to who will be hopping on the bus down from the training facility and playing for minnesota united like we we don't know and i i did what i do best nate i went to the mls next portion of my abundant soccer rolodex and started mm-hmm. to reach out to some folks and what i was told basically mirrors what I was unable to find on the internet. There is literally, literally fuck all about any MLS next team uh, from a roster <laughs> perspective on the internet. Like, I don't know. Like, has, I don't even know what, when the, like what their season looks like, but I couldn't find anything. And I'm pretty good at searching the internet. And I talked to some folks and they're like, we only know who comes down day of game whenever we play them. So, um, so we don't know. So there's that unknown. Um, and other than the fact that I did find they have like a game like later in May on their calendar. Um, but we don't know who's going to come to, to face the new look crows on Friday night. And honestly, I'm kind of here for the mystery. Yeah, me too. I think, you know, you and I had speculated, well, you know, some of the week going to show up the week or, or Devin Pedelford or whoever, right. Since they're technically 19 or younger and, uh, maybe the week isn't anymore. I don't know. I think he might be. But I don't think that's going to be the case, John. I think they're. I think MNUFC two is MN, doing MNUFC two things. We and uh, last week, yep. We'll listen to the pod. Yep, and and we're loving that. And these, this is just going to be some some young some young guys. I did see that. Uh, well, you know, as, as as the Augs as the eye on Augsburg, I did see that Augsburg starting goalkeeper Oscar Herrera is uh, playing with the U19s for Minnesota United. So that should be interesting. Um, and there might be a couple other names that we, that we recognize, recognize from, from the local scene, but I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I've never, I haven't heard anything about anyone on this team. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm kind of here for the mystery. It, it kind of sets up a good matchup between two teams that are like one we don't know about and one we know something about, but it's, it's a brand, it's, it's pretty much a brand new roster mm-hmm. other than a few holdovers that we're going to talk about here in a second. But there, but there is, there is what we do know. The match officially kicks off the new era at Minneapolis city. And that is the Carl Craig era. Um, the new coach did take the field uh, for our annual tune up versus Luther college. But that was not the real deal, even though he no. did come away with a one nothing victory in his first first match. But it was, again, heavy on trialists, heavy on some of the uh, light on some of the guys that are actually on the roster. So that that is is what it is. But I would have to believe that things are a little different for coach for, for coach Craig. This is literally about as close to next to nothing as the setups that he's used to coming from at the professional stops were like we're we're different and i mean yes we're we're probably one of one of the better set up pre-professional teams in the country but like there's no like extensive scouting network that he can lean on to hand him you know all of this information on on what he can face um you know there's there's 
you, you don't even know who's going to turn up to play against you. You don't, you don't even know at times who's going to turn up to play for you. Uh, <laughs> but like, like I said, we're one of the more button up teams in, in our slice of the soccer pie, but it's going to be very interesting as we start this new era. Um, if there's any impact on Carl and, and what he does well, which is marshalling a squad on the field. So uh, I, I, I have to assume that there's probably you know, um, a, this is what we got. Let's go with it type situation. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, we do know we have talent, but it even Friday is that, is that talent going to be there? But uh, on the back of everything I just said, I I have no doubt. Uh, and I feel that he's the right person that we selected, uh, to, to take the club and, uh, on this next journey. Uh, and uh, you know, basically now the front of the line from a long list of coaches that have done a fantastic job, uh, for us and, and now going forward. So I, I, I'm very optimistic, but um, I'm sure it's going to be a little different for Carl. Yeah. I mean, I think that he had probably not, a, I mean, I think, he, and he said as much in, a, in an article I read, but I doubt he expected that he'd be needing to get going so quickly. Right. Yeah. With, what, with what a team. He, he thought he had like six, six weeks and <laughs> yeah. now he's got two days. Yep. Yep. Like that, that like, that like, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that he had, had his eye on and handpicked over the over the winter season over so all these trials like there's not gonna be back yet you know so luckily he's been involved with um with a lot of the a lot of the full team trainings as far as futures goes like he's familiar with some of those some of these players some of these guys that are coming up um you know had been trialists in the past so hopefully he's got a plan i mean i'm sure he's got a plan i was i guess just like hopefully it you know these these younger guys are able to execute it and uh, mm-hmm. and we'll see how we do against a team that will probably be very well well drilled, we'll play together very very tightly. Um, I think you know Minnesota United U19s are going to be a little more familiar with each other than than the Crows will with yeah. each other on Friday. Yeah. Well, with all this said, it's fucking game week, friends. I am hyped for it. I hope you're excited as excited as I am. If ticket sales are any indicator, the Nelly yes. is going to be a busy spot this Friday night. So if you're interested in joining us on the 2023 version of the Magical Mystery Tour, act now. Head on over to mplscitysd.com and get your tickets before they potentially are all gone. Um, That might be a a real possibility. And also, um, you need to know this. Um, With all of the folks that have already bought tickets, the match kicks off at 7 p.m. on Friday, May 5th at Edor Nelson Field on the campus of Augsburg University. Doors open at 6.30 and for real, Go get those tickets. Don't be standing in line trying to figure out your tickets and maybe they're all gone and you have to go listen to me on the stream. So go get your tickets. <laughs> That's right. One group of guys, John, that we haven't really talked about beyond, I guess, Aiden O'Driscoll are the players that are returning to Minneapolis City that the people might recognize from last year. It's been widely talked about that a larger percentage of players are new to the club than in the past, but it is worth recognizing that these guys who we're about to talk about, these returners, have proven themselves once again in what really amounted to almost an open trial environment as Coach Carl Craig took over. Mm-hmm. It didn't yeah, it sound was... like anyone's job was safe. No, no, and I, that's a hundred percent true. It was there was a lot of conversations, and I'm I'm more removed from those conversations now than I was uh, it, heavily involved in them in the past. But it really was a like you may have done great things with the club and we appreciate that, but this there, there is a new sheriff in town and everyone starts off at the same playing field. 
So, um, so yeah, so everyone had to, to re retrial, um, do their best sales pitch to get in front of the new coaching staff. And, uh, that's where we talk about like, this is, this is, I mean, besides the guys we're going to be talking about that are holdovers, it's a lot of new Nate. It's a lot of new. Yeah. Except for these guys. So, uh, let's get started, John. Let's talk about some of our, some of our returning friends. First being the, the, the other two guys in the goalkeeper's corner, uh, Kalen Castillo is back. He returns between the sticks. You might remember him for a phenomenal performance against Duluth last year. He was used across all organizations from UPSL to NPSL and maybe even USL two once. Um, yeah, he played on all three teams last year. Yep. And, uh, and, and, you know, he didn't always, he didn't always have it great. I think he, you know, he, he had a couple phenomenal games and he had a couple games where the defense really let him down or his, uh, his judgment let him down. So hopefully he has continued to develop and uh, it sounds like he's good enough to at least make the squad. Yeah. Kalen's one of those players who's um, like good enough to be here, but first and foremost, happy to be here, like happy <laughs> to have a home. And that, that, that is indicative of the fact that he played all three levels of competition last year. So he's a, he's a good locker room guy. He's willing to put the club before himself and, and, you know, figure out, navigate where he's put in. Um, we, like you mentioned, I think his best performance was that Duluth game last year because it was, uh, there was, a, that was, that was the game where it, if you're going to cement yourself in club war, it's have a good game against Duluth at home when the stands are packed and they came in as the highest scoring team in the country. And he only let one in, which was not really his fault. Yeah. Um, so uh, happy to have Kalen back. I think he's he's gonna be a great addition to the locker room, um, and uh, just a good dude, just a really good dude. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how he's grown as a goalkeeper in his last year of college uh, up until this summer. Me too. Another guy who hopefully has grown, uh, but not too much because he's already huge. Is Evan Seifkin. He had a stellar couple of years as the number one goalkeeper for the UPSL squad, and this is his opportunity to really step up and play at a much higher level, John. <laughs> I think just from every time we've talked to him or, or read about him, read his interview, Coach Carl has these like ideal physical profiles for each of his positions, right? And mm-hmm. when you think about a guy that is super big who plays for a really big St. John's team, you got to believe Evan fits the bill of probably physically what Carl is looking for in a goalkeeper. Yeah, and I think one of the most underrated – I mean, the guy is a, is a massive human being. So that fits, that fits a profile if, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Um, but I think one of the most underrated parts of Evan's game, which um, it's hard to find any underrated parts of his game because he, he is a very well-rounded goalkeeper, is is his play with his feet. Um, he's left-footed, which is a little bit mm. different. Um, but, like, he, he he has chops to be able to – I mean, we talked about Ayub uh, Ahmed, um, one of his goalkeeping room partners, being probably the best person we've seen with it, with their feet. Um, in that for us, uh, maybe ever, um, yeah. but Evan's not far behind. And I think it's, it's a really, under, uh, his distribution with his feet is, is very underrated, but I'm excited to see Evan take that next step because I know that, um, you know, futures, futures architect, Jeremiah Johnson, uh, was his high school coach and spoke very highly of him before he entered the futures fray. And, uh, all of it was true. Uh, once, once the, uh, the eye test started. Up next, John, I want to talk about a guy, uh, Stevie Lamar. And Stevie came to the club very highly touted. But I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but his season was cut really short 
from injury, right? Yeah. Like this was a guy yeah. that we were excited to see last year and it never really materialized for him. Um, probably because some, some injuries he picked up in training even. And mm-hmm. since, since then he's been involved as a mentor coach while he's been training to get back up to speed. Like he stayed really close to the club, really, really loves the club culture. And now he gets his chance finally to show what he's got on the field. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the injury bug has kind of followed him. Um, you know, he, he started off his college career at Creighton, um, got injured there, um, you know, joined up with us, scored a wonderful goal against uh, Joy Athletic in his only appearance um, with the club two years ago um, when they, when they ruined our, uh, our, our trophy celebration. Um, uh, but that he showed what, why, why he's, he's so sought after, you know, what, you know, whether it be going to Creighton out of high school, um, he came back and and he was sought after, uh, and ended up, uh, enrolling at St. Thomas injuries were cut short there too. So my fingers are crossed for Stevie this year, because what he provides is athletically what you might see from more of a small, uh, tricky winger but mm-hmm. he's got size and that can be a real matchup problem for when you're, when you're talking about um, a wing attacking player and, and any crosses coming in from the opposite side, because typically then they're matched up against an outside back who probably isn't, isn't tall in their own right. Um, but in the air, um, Stevie definitely has an advantage on the back post when crosses are coming in from the other side. Um, but he can break you down one V one. He's smart with the ball. Like he has all the tools, but we just hope that uh, they're healthy tools this year and we see more time from Stevie. Yeah, agreed. That would be wonderful to see see more of him and to really see what he's what he's made of. We have seen a lot of this next guy. We've all grown to love Jonah Garcia over the years from his outstanding performances at the NPSL level uh, into the lower league E-Cup to last season where he, he really <laughs> anchored the, that. Yeah, last season he really anchored that USL2 back line. I would say, John, despite the fact that he is not the big hulking figure at the back that a coach like Carl might be looking for, Jonah provides an intelligence, right? He can read the game, and he's got some speed that other center back options just have not been able to match. Um, you know, they've come and gone from from the city roster, but Jonah has stuck around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 there's nothing more than I can really add to this. I think that Jonah... Jonah is a calm presence on the ball and that's exactly what you want out of a central defender. And, and he's so dedicated to the game of soccer, whether it's coaching at Augsburg mentor coaching at, um, at uh, with the futures program alongside myself and Stevie and a few other, uh, other people that are associated with the club, but also like in the Hispanic leagues around, around the city, like Jonah's a well-known figure and he just loves soccer. And he's mm-hmm. one of those people that, like, it, I, I'm, I'm so happy that he's back because as we look to turn over the roster to the next version of Minneapolis City, like, having him as a holdover is the right person in the locker room um, from a culture perspective, the right person in the in, uh, on the field from a calming presence perspective, um, a lot of that stuff. And I think that, like you mentioned, like, I think his, his, his speed is a little underrated. Um, but I also think his aerial presence is underrated too, because you look at him and you think like, you know, I'm a, I'm a six, three striker. I'm just going to jump over this guy and win every ball. And that's not the case because he reads the game so well that most times than not Jonah's in the right spot before those strikers that maybe have an advantage physically over him are even thinking about getting to that spot. For sure. For sure. Up next, John, 
another another guy that like what more can he say? We've talked about him enough. We've talked to him. The Susie is going to be Lucy for another summer. You got to love it. He's yeah. a hardworking kid. Uh, he's a forward that provides a burst of speed. He's got the finishing when we need it most. Zach is, I think, maybe at that perfect age where he's just he's just not going to tire out. The guy gives it 110% the whole time, and uh, and it and it gets results. Yeah, I mean, the, what what's there more to say? Like another guy who we we talked about this last year that like there's ultimately going to be a roster turnover at some point and we need to identify the players that like really get the culture and really love being part of it and Zach is one of those those people I mean he had a fantastic introduction to us through the futures program um, the pandemic kind of ruined his college soccer experience um, coming out of Minnesota as Mr. Soccer and not really having anywhere to play mm-hmm. and having to to in some in some eyes take a step down and play at a Division three school. Even though he goes to Wash U in St. Louis, that is a fantastic soccer program. Even though it's at the Division three level, but he chose to go the route of academics versus athletics. Where if the pandemic doesn't happen, maybe he's off playing at a high level Division one school. You never know. Um, or he follows the same path. But as far as what he brings to the club, he brings all the attributes on the field, but he also brings the understanding of of the culture and then also like the desire to perform within the culture. Like I talked to him many times last year and he, he has a voice, but he didn't, he maybe didn't necessarily feel like he had loud, a loud enough voice to be like, you know, like this is how it's done here. We need to get back to that. And I think that this will be the year where he becomes part of that core um, vocal part of the locker room because he's been here before and he really loves being. Yeah, I hope so. Up next, John, I want to talk about a guy, uh, Scotty Heinen. Scotty too hotty. Yeah, he returns to the murder after uh, spending a year in Germany, right? Yeah. Yep. When we last saw Scotty, he was a standout MC2 player. That's how long ago it was. And then he leaves, and, <laughs> and we've, we've got the futures now in the UPSL. What Since then, John, what has changed? What's going on with Scotty? I mean, he's playing – he he and uh, – and, uh, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Why can't I remember it now? I'm so sorry. Gibbons? Um, yeah, Matt Gibbons are like thick as Steve's best friends from their, their Gustavus days. Um, in in college playing together, but um, but Scotty and, and Gibbons and Matt Gibbons went over to Germany and played uh, with a fifth division team in Germany. Um, and I, I mean, I, it wasn't. I don't remember the name of the team in Germany because there's so many fifth division like local town clubs that like it's really hard. It's like trying to remember all the clubs in the UPSL. There's just so many of them. Um, but it, it wasn't like he was playing for like FC beer drinking, uh, beer drinking. <laughs> it, like that you have those out there, but he was playing with a, uh, they were both playing with a, a, a really good setup. But um, the time there uh, was always going to have a shot clock. So he is the first one back. Uh, we hope that Matt will come back um, uh, soon enough. Um, but Scotty is that reliable Kevin Hook, Swiss Army knife player like you need a right back he'll play right back you need a winger he'll play on the wing um, his natural position is in the cent- center midfield but I think that given probably some of the things he learned um, you know in uh, abroad you may see a position shift depending upon where where the coaching staff wants to use Tim but with that MC2 squad 
Um, that center midfield, I think, uh, on any given day, went the way of how what the performance of Scotty Heinen was that day. And most times than not, it was your lunch pail performance where he's putting in a shift. And I think he's a really great squad depth player. Not to say that he couldn't start. Uh, no disrespect, Scotty, but he's the type of guy you want on your roster because they can do so many different things. And depending upon what a game is throwing at you, you don't necessarily like to start a game with someone like Scotty. You want to bring him in situationally, mm-hmm. um, you know, unless you are ride or die, Scotty Heinen, like like the center midfield of uh, Michael Prunty's uh, 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 title-winning MC2 team was. Um, <laughs> the next best thing for him is, is situationally coming off of a bench. So I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I hope to see tons of minutes from you, Scotty, but – if I'm a coach and and there's a player that I may find a little higher value in giving more of the early minutes to Scotty is always in my mind on where I can plug him in to fix a problem or help jumpstart something that we need to get going. Nice. Talk to me a little bit about this next guy, John. I think he's a forward. It's a name that sounds, he's a a midfielder. He's a midfielder. It's a name that sounds familiar and it's not just because of mortal Kombat. It's Baraka. (laughs) It's Baraka Tarleton. So Baraka, Baraka has been a name around the club before, right? Yes. So uh, I'll let you finish your notes here. That was so it. You can get it out. Oh, no, you a little question. bit in there. You know, not just because of Mortal Kombat. Uh, I thought you'd want to nerd out a little bit. A little video no. game nerd out. But okay, no. I'll go. Um, so essentially, Baraka was a, one of the players uh, that we kind of sweep. The first wave of the players that we saw that didn't necessarily maybe have the best Minnesota United uh, uh, youth experience in the academy and came to us as a, a senior in high or maybe no, a junior in high school and started training with us and was given the opportunity to to feature when we played Ford Madison, <clears throat> excuse me, Ford Madison. Unfortunately, he tore his knee in that game. So he's been on the Baraka Tarleton redemption tour of getting back up to his fitness, finished out his high school season last year. And then now he's he's in the fold. He is a, like I said, Carl's got types. He is a six foot, maybe slightly over six foot plus uh, center midfielder, calm on the ball, wow. uh, good in tackles, good, good decision-making distributor. Um, but I think that Baraka comes with one of the best folklore stories in the history of the club. In order to go to that game in Madison – he told, and this is probably some news, he probably doesn't want me saying this, but hey, you know what? Uh, ask John anything, John says anything. Um, he he told his high school coach that he, he had a death in the family. And then he ends up tearing his knee. Um, and also, he was it was all over the internet of pictures of him playing and whatnot before he tore his knee. So oh, that, that that's just as city as it gets, right? Like a young player. And, and honestly, like, do you think the high school coach is going to say, hey, don't go play against a professional team. Go play against bumfuck whoever high school that we're going to beat five nothing. I, I right. feel like he would have gotten released, but he took it on himself. That was what he uh, the the story he stuck with. And then unfortunately, you know, he 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 tears his knee. So, um, whoops. yep, whoops. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I always chuckle at that one because it's like, so how's your uh, how's your family member's funeral? And your your knees wrapped up, and you just came out of surgery. Weird. Um, yeah, I tore my knee. I was so so distraught over the loss. <laughs> <laughs> up next, John, uh, another name that's that is familiar to to fans from last year, Andrew Sazinski. 
uh, defender, right, for uh, for the mm-hmm. NPSL squad? Yep. <clears throat> so, Andrew, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Andrew came to us from Boston University uh, as a as a, a a fresh freshman from that from a, a decently strong uh, Boston University team. Um, it was kind of in a rebuilding mode, and he was he was part of that rebuild. Um, he was a member of uh, of a pretty stellar Shattuck St. Mary's team, which <clears throat> and then he came in and, and featured mostly with the NPSL, and then had some stints with the, the USL two based off of uh, off of roster need. Um, his performance for for the MPSL squad last year was when uh, was the tables turned on his performance when I forget which game it was, but he moved, it might've been, uh, it might've been uh, joy athletic. He moved mm-hmm. into the defensive center midfield role and was like, look what we have here. Like we have something that we haven't seen in a while that box the box player. I think he rattled the crossbar twice from distance. Um, and we're like, okay, so you were an outside defender in college, but, Maybe this is where you need to be playing. Um, Just maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the plans are with him, but I, I watched a few of his his games. Lockdown defender on the outside. I think, uh, like never say die type defender. Um, sure. But if it were me in charge of of the team, I would look at trying to utilize his his ability on on the ball more than his defensive abilities. I think we have maybe some other players on the roster who can do the same uh, defensive shift and maybe Andrew's the type of player that we can utilize in a couple of different areas. Like we talked about with Scotty. Awesome. Oh, I will mention that I do believe, and I, I don't know this for a fact because I haven't talked to him, um, but I do believe that Andrew probably is the linchpin behind the floodgates of his former teammates from Shattuck St. Mary's coming in this year. I really, they all he, want to play. They all want to play with Andrew again. I think it was. It was. Let's get the band together again. How much fun do we have living and breathing soccer together at a boarding school? Now we went off on our way. Let's let's do it again during the summer. Have some fun. Play at a good club. I had a good experience. You guys shouldn't talk to talk to Matt or the coaching staff. Get in for a trial. I think that's what happened. I don't know, but I'll get down to the bottom of that. All right, I like that story. Next, back after another year at St. Thomas, it's Wes Lawrence. He was, um, God, this guy was probably started almost every game for the, for the USL two squad last year. He was, he was recognized by us, I believe as defender of the year. Right. And probably had some other, uh, honorable mention honors. Yeah. I mean, Wes is club through and through, like he is the last remaining member of our, of that we joke about being a, a Stegman's Academy product, uh, Went to Virginia Military Institute. Parents moved to Minnesota. Reached out to us. Squads full. Um, was an IMG graduate, so we knew there was soccer pedigree there. We're like, why don't you play with our segments team? And as soon as there's availability, we'll bring you into the city fold. As soon as that happened, Wes shows up early. Last one to leave. Like, as soon as the whistle blows, he's locked in. Um, some people ha- have mentioned like maybe some of the deficiencies he has as an outside defender, maybe on the offensive side of things, but he set up the, uh, the, the game time goal in the 92nd minute on the road against Peoria uh, to, to, to give us a point in a season where points were at a premium um, last year in USL too. But mm-hmm. like Wes comes and does his job and is the nicest person on the planet. 
and a really good culture guy again. So we're seeing that common theme with culture with these guys, but they can also play soccer too. So I don't want to lose that, that side of it. But Wes is the guy that you're, you're going to put in and you, you know what you're going to get and he's going to give it, he's going to give it his all. And also it was his dog that, that sparked the, <laughs> the famous or infamous. There's a dog on the field um, during the UPSL playoffs a few years ago. Nice. Uh, up next, John, another guy who had a phenomenal performance against Duluth. Uh, it is Luca Contestable, a midfielder. Um, just remember him last year as one of the guys on the NPSL squad that was standout that um, was able to step up to USL two and and help get the job, you know, help uh, help keep his job, I guess, through this year. And yeah, like Luca came to us as a he was a former MTA product. <clears throat> excuse me, the former MTA product um, when he, when he came to us and he was a transfer from coastal Carolina university looking to try to find somewhere to go and came back home for the summer, got hooked up with us. And like, as a, as a, you know, a former center midfielder, um, like he's the type of guy that I just love to either have in front of me or right next to me in the middle of a soccer field, like just a cool customer shifty enough to be able to get out of tight spaces um, ability to to get involved in the offense, um, but willing to willing to track back and play defense. Ended up uh, transferring to University of Wisconsin Green Bay, and as soon as he set foot on campus, I don't think he dropped a minute of of playing time unless he was subbed out for situationally. Um, so he is a he is an absolute treat to have on your roster for what he can provide, and he's he's kind of that kind of that quiet leader. He he leads by example on the field, and he's not going to be the guy who's rallying the troops. Um, he just goes and does his job and he does it really well. And uh, I think the the next him along with the next three guys are, are, are guys that I'm glad we had him, him kind of kicking off the, the bottom half of our, uh, of our roundup here. He's one, I think he's a very important player for us this, this summer because he was there through it all last year and all these guys were, but a lot of times um, when he was on the field, I think he was the one kind of trying to pick up the pieces. Mm -hmm. So he knows what the pieces look like and hopefully, you know, like surrounding him and others in the middle of the field with some, some different options than we had last year. um, I think it's going to be real beneficial for coach Carl Craig. Yeah. The next two guys, John, are the guys that I've, I've been no, no disrespect to all everyone else we've talked about, but I'm most excited to see these guys come back first being Jamison Charles midfielder from North Carolina. Every time Jamison was on the field last year, it was clear. He was Energy. just like head and shoulders above most of the talent he was facing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's gotten. It's- yeah, exactly. Energy. He's got an engine that just doesn't quit. And he's just as dangerous in the buildup as he's go- as he is going into a slide tackle. Like he's going to, he's got to be the guy that we lean on in the midfield. If we hope to improve from last year, just really excited about this Jamison return. I mean, Leicester, Leicester City didn't win the Premier League without N'Golo Conte. So Minneapolis City doesn't win the uh, the Heartland Division without the Minnesota version of N'Golo Conte. Like, he is the engine room. He's the only guy in the engine room. But, you know, like, yep. he's, pull, he's pulling all the levers. He's everywhere. He's, he's, he's putting out fires. He's, he's, he's starting attacks. He's, he's doing it all. And I think that um, – Here's what I don't get, Nate, is I understand he plays at a very high Division One school, but I watched that North Carolina team, and I don't know their coach that well other than from the brief conversation I've had with him about Jamison. Um, I don't know what he's not seeing in Jamison Charles. Um, 
and I don't know if there's a there's a there's a mistranslation from what we get in the summer to what he brings back in the fall, but like he he if you're building a roster, I build it around a guy like him. Mm-hmm. Like number one, like number one pick in the schoolyard, James and Charles, like uh, hands down. So I don't, I don't know what's going on in college, but I don't have to worry about that. We worry about Minneapolis city in the summer. So really <laughs> happy to have Jamison back. Um, I mean, the definition of a box to box midfielder, I mean, he will be, he'll cover all the ground. Um, his summer season was cut short a little bit last year with a, a minor injury that he was cautiously held out. So he wasn't going to aggravate anything that would get him into trouble going back to school. So we didn't get to see the full Jamison Charles um, towards the end of the season, but I'm sure glad we got him back this year. Word. Let's wrap with the player that we should probably all be most excited about after providing electrical moments with city over the last three years, Eli Goldman raked in the awards in his junior season uh, at New Hampshire. He's chosen to return to Minneapolis to keep his form going. I'm sure playing for Carl Craig has something to do with it. If Eli can stay healthy, this guy has, Team MVP potential for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Eli's in his fifth season with us. Like that is impressive in its own right. Um, and since the moment he came to us, you know, a bright-eyed young player with just ready to go, um, he has provided all the moments for uh, a career at a, a career with depth at a lower level. Uh, like ours I mean he's scored goals he's celebrated other people's goals which is one of my favorite things is he has a celebration for people's celebrations Um, (laughs) but like just a supremely talented soccer player and everywhere he goes he starts out at the bottom and he works his way up to the top it happened when he was over in Spain um, before coming back to the United States it happened with us and it happened at New Hampshire um, he was the offensive. He was uh, like, he was every offensive award for for a very strong New Hampshire side, other than offensive player of the year, which went to a guy who was picked in the top five of the MLS draft. So, if we're talking about people on our roster who are well set up for a professional life after after his last season with us, probably, and his last season with uh, New Hampshire, it's definitely Eli Goldman and. He's just one of those players who he knows what needs to be done and he goes and does it. And for most teams that he's on, it's scoring goals, but he's, it's also setting up goals, bringing the energy. It's, it's, it's doing all the little things as an offensive player that mean a lot to the defensive end of the soccer field. And you don't really notice it because what he's most known for is what he does on the offensive side. Like okay. I, I, I said that uh, Jamison Charles is number one on my list of who I pick in the schoolyard uh, to build a team around, but it's Eli Goldman is not, is, is, is like one B. I mean, they are, they're both so important to our team, I believe. And seeing the players that we're bringing in from an offensive perspective, if you look at a guy like, uh, like Hakeem Morgan, like I think these two are going to combine very well together. And that is going to add to our goal tally that was a little light last year. So I think that he's going to have the freedom to open up as a number 10 instead of maybe a number nine, like he was, he was last year. Um, And I think that's going to, to elevate the players that we're bringing in around him and the connections that he's going to have with those players. Like I'm, I'm so excited to watch Eli play and 
and Eli made the decision to come back for a fifth season when he was highly sought after by many clubs across the country at the USL two level. And there was a brief time period where he might not have come back. And um, that would have been really sad because I, yeah. I, I didn't, I don't want to see a guy like Eli with what he's done for our club, go out the way we went out last year. I want to see him go out the way I think it's going to happen this year. Cheering, happy. Yeah. Let's, winning. Let's, dude, I'm so excited now. Like I'm more excited <laughs> than I was just talking about these guys. Like, Bring it on, you loons. Like, let's get after these guys on Friday. Like, and get out there, folks. Like, let's bring the energy. Let's start the season off right. And let's, let's just get after it. Like, I'm yeah. so excited to call this game. And, I mean, like, win, lose, or draw. It, I'm excited about calling any game. But this one, like, let's go. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. Back in the booth. Back that, is gonna, that is going to do it for this week's show. <laughs> Thanks again to our wonderful sponsor, Football Stadium Prince dot com whether your club is in the news because you're top of the table now after today or uh maybe you just tired sam allardyce for some reason um football stadium prince has anything from mugs to t-shirts to sweet prints of clubs like minneapolis city sc you can get john bismarck the t-shirt you can get matt elder the t-shirt you can get edor nelson field the poster don't forget the new one the, the, the lincoln one. ground where segments plays you see that, that yeah, out there? i did That's, see that yeah That's i gotta funny. get that thing i gotta i gotta order that pretty funny uh you can use code crows 10 for 10 percent off on everything you purchase and remember all u.s orders ship from here in the united states so no pesky international shipping charges uh members 2023 memberships are now available don't forget 89 dollars is going to get you tickets to every upsl and usl2 home game and minnesota super cup game as well as a voice that helps to shape the club for the future and a reminder minneapolis city is a 501c3 so if you're looking at your tax forms and you're worried about i don't know like paying way too much just plan next year and give a charitable gift to the club that loves to give back. If you're interested in getting a hold of us, we have made it simple. You got to hit the club up on Twitter at MPLSCitySC or talk to us at the show at the People's Pitch or V email MCSC Podcast at gmail.com. TikTok, TikTok. Only two days, I guess, as of this recording until the season opener. One. As, yeah, listen to this, uh, as it comes out, we are on the way to a super kick-ass season. I am Nate. That was John. We're going to be back next week with a recap of the opener of the Minnesota Super Cup, as well as a preview of our season opener. And until then. Yeah, huff. Yeah. Yeah, huff, Minnesota United. <laughs>